Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Have you ever heard about an exciting new medical technology but wondered why it's not available for you or your loved ones? From Offscript Health, welcome to Before We Die, the podcast where you'll meet the medtech innovators who will share the hurdles, successes, and heartbreaking failures in getting their products to patients before we die. I'm Joey Brenneman from Offscript Health. Now, this is not a podcast about death and dying, quite the opposite. It is about the amazing technological advances in the medical industry that could potentially save lives. Today's innovation focus is BGRT, or Biology-Guided Radiotherapy. BGRT is able to detect and then immediately treat moving tumors. It is the first and only technology to use injected radio tracers to produce active signals from each tumor to guide treatment delivery. Now, I know that's a lot of big, fancy words, but we are going to break it all down today with our guest, Sam Mazin. Sam is the CTO and founder of Reflection Medical, the company that is bringing this exciting new technology to patients. Now, more than a decade ago, Sam Mazin asked a simple question that has driven him to develop this new, highly accurate cancer treatment. But before we talk to Sam, here are our Before We Die creators, Sandra Miller. Hi, Joey. Hey, and John McMahon. Hey, Joey. And Craig Allman. Uh, Time-appropriate greetings, Joey. Yes, wherever you are in the world, whatever time zone you are joining us from, welcome. All right, so Sandy and John, you guys both know Sam Mazin. So Sandy, can you tell us a little bit about him and how you know him? Sure. So I ran a pretty experimental program for postdoc researchers to help them commercialize their research. Some of them were in the process of starting companies. Some of them have hadn't. And so Sam was one of the postdocs in that program that I ran when I was at the Kauffman Foundation. And John, what about you? How do you know Sam? Sandy introduced me to Sam uh, about that time, and it was a pleasure. The engineer has a, such a different perspective. We've talked to some physician founders and researchers, but really just the opportunity to see an engineer just trying to solve a technical problem in the patient's favor, and this is going to be a great example of that. And Craig, what's your perspective after researching about Sam? You know, there are innovators that have lots of different ideas, and there are innovators that have one idea. And Sam's in the latter group. I mean, I'm sure he didn't think it would take him this long to actually have a working product, but the implications for people with stage four cancer are enormous. Yeah. And I think that what he's got going on, this Reese's peanut butter cup that you're referencing, is going to be a game changer for cancer patients. So let's get right into our conversation with Sam Mazin. Hello and welcome, Sam Mazin. We are so happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you, Joey. Really, really glad to be here. We are really excited to hear your story. And I have to ask for our listeners, what was that one question that you asked that led you to your life's work and creating your company, Reflection Medical? Yeah. And I didn't know that that question would turn into pretty much my life, but it was a very important question. As it turns out, I was a postdoc in the radiology department that knew a lot about how cancer detection worked. Mm -hmm. So knew about CAT scanners, MRI scanners, devices called PET scanners. And those are devices where you inject, as you called it, a radio tracer into a patient. These are- Which sounds wild. Like I had to like go, what does that mean? Like, is that like Jetson's technology going into your body? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's amazing. They've been using this for decades now to try to detect cancer in the body. You know, if you just Google PET scan and cancer, you'll see images where you don't even have to be a radiologist to interpret because the cancer literally just pops out of the screen. Yeah. But how does it actually work? The way it works is that radio tracer, which is really a substance, it's a molecule that's injected in very small quantities in the body. It's actually radioactive, but it's safe because it's injected in such small quantities. It kind of seeks and finds the cancer in the body and wherever it goes, it starts emitting signals, these emissions. And so what a PET scanner is, is a device that just sits there and listens and detects all the signals coming from the patient and then forms a map of where the cancer is in the body. Got it. So I knew a lot about this technology, but I didn't know anything about the field of radiation therapy, which is using radiation to treat cancer in the body. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized was that these two fields were completely separate. One of the best ways of seeing cancer, which is the PET scanner technology, and this very localized and non-invasive type of treatment, radiation therapy, that can target cancer uh, and treat it in a focused way they weren't being used together. And so the question that I asked myself, um, and it was a just fortuitous event, I, I, I essentially attended a lecture in radiation therapy, not knowing anything about it, um, and realized that the problem of radiation therapy is that you don't really know where you're shooting. It's really hard to tell where the cancer is at the time of treatment. And so that begged me the question, well, what if the cancer sends the emission, basically sends its location to the radiation therapy machine to tell it where it is in real time? So it's kind of like a GPS for cancer, like, hey, cancer, send me your location. Yeah, no, it was something that was triggered by this lecture. And so it led to this concept of, well, if a cancer cell sends out a signal, why can't we just shoot one right back? Why can't we essentially reflect the radiation back mm -hmm. where it's coming from? Oh, I see what you did there. Reflect, reflection. Yes, I, that's I, where I, the name I, of the company comes from. <laughs> that's awesome. So that, I didn't realize, as you put it, uh, it was a pretty important question that would lead to a whole company and, and a new technology to treat cancer. Um, but that's the journey that I've been on. They always say, ask the right questions, right? There's no thing, such thing as a stupid question, but ask the right one and look at that. You hit the jackpot there. Well, we'll see. You know, we're still, <laughs> we're still, we're still developing it, but yes, we're, we're very excited about it. That's so cool. So tell us about that journey then. Yeah, well, I definitely couldn't do this on my own. I had a, a really amazing co-founder. His name is Akshay Nanduri. We were actually old high school friends from Toronto. We met in grade nine science class. Uh, little <laughs> did we know that we'd be working together, you know, much further in the future from that. But Akshay and I kept in touch even after after college. And I went to graduate school and, and pursued a postdoc. Well, Akshay was part of a startup himself and then went to business school. And it was at mm. the time that I had the idea for reflection that I called him up and asked him, hey, do you want to do this with me? And I was lucky enough to convince him to, to take the plunge with me. So, Sam, as you were training in engineering, 
what made you decide to specialize or focus your your work in the healthcare arena in the first place? I came to graduate school thinking I would be uh, focusing in communications technologies. It was kind of after the telecom boom, and that was kind of the cool thing to do. But I took a class in medical imaging as part of my master's and it just opened up my eyes. And I thought it was the coolest thing that essentially math uh, could be used to see inside the body. Wow. That's um, cool. And I was just fascinated by it. And so I, I, I started, I just completely shifted my focus and, and sought out kind of a research and uh, ideas in healthcare, mainly because I was excited about the engineering principles involved in mm -hmm. combining biology uh, with engineering. It also felt like that was a new frontier that's still being uncovered and developed by academics and companies all around the world. I didn't know I would start a company. Yeah. Um, I was excited just about the field itself. Right. Oh, I, I just love that it's the uh, tech booms loss and Medicare and cancer patients gain. Yeah, exactly. So Sam, let's just talk about how patients are treated today without your innovation, because your innovation is, is not yet FDA approved. The way radiation therapy is used today really limits it to essentially early stage cancer. So when you're trying to treat a single tumor in the body, radiation therapy is one of the most effective ways of treating that tumor. It's relatively non-invasive, essentially painless. There are typically usually just mild side effects associated with it. And so it's a very popular choice. The challenge, though, with radiation therapy is that it's still a very complex technology to deliver to a tumor in the body. And so it's difficult to scale it to treat more than one tumor. And so if you think about the stage of cancer where patients really need options the most, that's stage four cancer, where cancer is metastasized, mm -hmm. and now you have tumors in multiple locations in the body, it becomes very difficult to impossible to use current technologies to treat tumors throughout the body because of inherent limitations in radiation therapy systems. Okay. And those those limitations are really they stem from the inability to localize or essentially know or see where the cancer is in real time because as we all know our body doesn't sit completely still mm -hmm. when we're on a treatment table. Um, even simple things like breathing is actually one of the biggest challenges for the field of radiation therapy. And it's a field where millimeters matter. Mm -hmm. So even just a small couple millimeter, half centimeter shift is a really big deal, especially when you're delivering high doses of radiation to a target that might have you know sensitive structures, critical uh, organs nearby. And so that targeting accuracy is so important, which is why the complexity of delivering radiation to just a single tumor is still mm -hmm. fairly high. It's a very involved workflow where they they set up the patient on the table, image them, you know, align them for the tumor to line up with the machine properly, re-image to confirm, and then treat. And that's just happening for one tumor. So it's really oh, difficult wow. to scale that to stage four cancer. So for me, if I'm thinking about it, uh, and I've certainly got, you know, a lot of folks, unfortunately, with cancer, when they're in stage four, you're talking about the person that needs the most flexibility that's where there are the fewest options. So they just, if you're if you're a patient and you're talking stage four, you're, the majority of your pa options are really just chemo. Is that correct? That's correct, John. 
stage four cancer is really difficult to treat because the cancer is spread throughout the body. And it's essentially a systemic disease now, right? It's it's system-wide, it's body-wide. And so the natural modality used to treat patients with stage four cancer are what are called systemic therapies. As you said, chemotherapy is one example. Other drugs um, that are called immunotherapies or targeted therapies, these are different types of drugs that are typically delivered intravenously, but are usually a one-size-fits-all approach to try to stem the tide of the disease and, and push it back. And so what we're trying to do with reflection is to introduce a new option for patients with stage four disease that will help those drug therapies actually work more effectively. So as an innovator, this is exactly that same question you asked in that class, correct? Mm -hmm. So you are still on, exactly on that trail um, trying to make that happen, you know, more than a decade later, correct? The question I asked in the class was really a technological question, right? Could a cancer cell send out a, a signal and, and we respond or reflect that radiation back to its source in real time? Because if we can do that, we've solved a very important problem in radiation therapy. But at the time, I wasn't even thinking about the stage four patient. I was just thinking this was a pretty cool technology that could have a cancerous tumor guide its own treatment and didn't even think about applications like the stage four setting for this technology. When I had the idea for reflection, there was no field of immunotherapy, which is now being regarded as, as the fourth pillar of cancer treatment today and, and recently received a Nobel Prize um, for that new type of drug therapy treatment. But there are synergies between radiation and immunotherapy that we're, we weren't even aware of that should also help in this battle against stage four cancer. So we adapted, John, as we learned about how cancer is, is being fought today and, and as it was changing over the years that we were still developing the reflection technology so that this application just became much more front and center as uh, an important way to use BGRT. Because BGRT can also be used for early stage disease as well. You know, treating a single tumor will also, we believe, uh, potentially have benefits uh, for patients as well. So Sam, let's talk about BGRT. What actually is it? You know, the way to think about it is we're combining a PET scanner with a radiation therapy device into a single machine. You know, the reason why it was so difficult to build is because although the concept is fairly simple, right? PET scanner involves the injection of the radio tracer in, into the patient and that tracer, which is essentially a molecule, in fact, you know, the most common type of tracer used in PET scanning today is a type of sugar. So really you're looking at where is sugar being metabolized in the body and cancerous tumors typically metabolize sugar much higher rates than, than healthy tissue. Um, the concept was simple, which is that, well, once you get a ping from the cancer cell, right, it sends out an emission and the PET scanner can detect where it is or where it's coming from. Let's just shoot radiation back. But to be able to build a machine that could do that in real time, essentially with sub-second latency, so that the cancer cell is continuously pinging the machine and the machine is shooting radiation back where it's coming from, you know, that required feats of engineering that myself and my co-founder, we didn't even appreciate at the time. Uh, but thankfully, we, we were able to recruit much smarter people to, to figure that out and, and make it happen. 
Yeah. And I'm just going to encourage all of our listeners to go to your website, reflection.com. And that's reflection with an X. And we will be sure to put that in our show notes because the visual that you have on there is just so impressive. And when you see it, it makes it so much easier to understand how BGRT works. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we can talk about when BGRT is going to be available for patients. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. So, Sam, on the Reflection website, it says where stage is just a number. So I'm sure if somebody is listening who is currently a late-stage cancer patient, they're going to want to know how they get this treatment. So is BGRT available to patients? It is and it isn't. And let okay. me, let me uh, elaborate on that. Yes, um, please. So we are installed in hospitals right now. Okay. The, and it's called the, the X1 machine, the Reflection X1. They're using it to treat patients today with conventional radiation therapy. So the machine, in addition to a PET scanner, it also has a CAT scanner on it. Um, and so that allows doctors to use the machine the way they're using current machines today, which essentially have very similar type of CAT scanners, although the Reflection X1 has a, an improvement there. But they're using it to treat mostly early stage type of cancers today with the Reflection system. So the add-on to the machine is what's new, and that's what still needs to go through the FDA process. Is that right? They're easing them into it. Okay, cool. <laughs> they're, they're infiltrating the the hospitals with the X1 system um, <laughs> while they're conducting, uh, I imagine, clinical trials to get the FDA approval. And so then, bam, it's going to be available. <laughs> BGRT will be available. And that's exactly right. So, you know, we worked with the FDA on essentially a two-stage process where we would get FDA approval for the more conventional, what we call image-guided radiation therapy. That's what the current type of radiation therapy is today using okay. our CAT scanner on the machine, but we're still awaiting FDA approval for the BGRT or biology guided radiation therapy part. So Sandy's right. As we install these machines, in addition to treating patients with current radiation therapy treatments, uh, how radiotherapy would be used today, some of these centers were also helping us conduct a clinical study so that we would be able to apply for FDA approval uh, for BGRT. Okay, so I imagine if somebody in our audience is going, clinical trial, can I get involved? How do I get involved in that if, if they're interested in this? How does that happen? It's a great question. So that clinical study is actually completed. We, okay. we finished it late last year. And that was um, a key part of the evidence package we needed to submit for our what's called a de novo application to the FDA. De novo mm -hmm. essentially means new. So the FDA is considering this a brand new type of radiation therapy technology. And so we submitted that application earlier this, this year and hope uh, for this year to see an approval. The next time patients would be able to have access to the, to the technology would be uh, very likely after 
the FDA approval of the device. Got it. So share with us uh, what you can about the results that you have and what's different so that the patients and, you know, my family members with cancer that have metastasized, give them the hope of what you've got cooking. What doctors have been asking is a very interesting question that if the patient has metastasized, if the disease has become quote unquote systemic, then even though radiation therapy is a local treatment, right? You're just treating essentially one or maybe two tumors with it in a patient that might have more than, uh, or a patient that certainly has cancer cells floating around in the body because of, of it being metastatic. Is there even a benefit to using a local therapy in a stage four patient? Right. Will you even see improvement in how long these patients uh, are alive? Is that question saying, has the cancer itself changed or is your therapy effective once it's in a lot of places, right? The evidence that Reflection has been using to date to try to convince people to adopt this technology has already been generated to some extent outside of us using other technologies to show that the principle of using radiation in the metastatic setting, you know, could be effective. You know, we're starting where all other technologies are ending, right? So in the very beginning with our first device out there with BGRT, we're gonna be treating on the order of three targets in the same session, which is very rarely done today. Uh, but you're gonna see that increasing significantly because there's no fundamental limit with the machine uh, to be able to, to not go to five, six, 10, or potentially more uh, because of the way the technology works. You know, each tumor is telling the machine where it is. And with that one injection, all the tumors are lighting up and, and pinging the machine. Now, the limit will likely be more on the radiobiology side. Like, in other words, what's safe to deliver? But right now, radiation oncologists, you know, the, the doctors that prescribe these treatments are more limited by what I can even deliver, not what's safe to deliver. And so that's, that's where we're uh, hoping to take the technology. There are many cancer patients, caregivers, and even oncologists that, that will listen to this. You're some number of months away from FDA approval. What can people do? I mean, is there like a waiting list once, you know, the FDA approval is granted? How do people get to know about this, get sort of, I guess, in a queue to receive this treatment if it's appropriate for them? Well, our, our mission in the company is to get this device everywhere, uh, not just in the U.S., but in the world. There's no reason why it can't be in every radiation therapy clinic worldwide. You know, part of our vision statement is to reveal cancer and beat it for, we say, everyone, everywhere. This can be applied to every stage of cancer and almost every single type of cancer and everywhere, meaning every geography, every locality. Again, there's no reason why this, uh, this technology, because it uses standard radiation therapy resources, or pet imaging resources that, that exist today, we should be able to fit into uh, most uh, programs. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
When we met a dozen years ago, I believe, we sat outside with Akshay and uh, you guys were sharing this vision that you had. One of the things that you talked about then was if you're more accurate, which is the entire premise, right? You're combining this as sort of GPS for the cancer. It's going to tell you where it is. You're going to shoot back very Star Wars. One of the things you talked about then was that that accuracy would actually allow you to give a higher dose. And for the patient, that would be involved less treatments. But it, did you end up manifesting that the treatments will be shorter so it's less uh, less intrusive in a patient's life if they can get to one of your machines? The important aspect of what you're talking about, John, and yeah, I do remember that conversation. And, and also thank you early on for a lot of the help you gave us in helping to prepare for our first investment in the company. And in, in our first kind of set of diligence materials just to get the company off the ground. I do have to say that I did introduce you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you did. And I think overall, you know, Sandy too. I mean, the, it was the Coffin Foundation that, and Sandy, the program you led that put all of us in touch and um, you know, even led to our introduction to our chairman, Jay Watkins, as well. Yeah. So th that was a really important program. So I, I can't thank the Coffin Foundation enough for that, you know, getting us really off the ground. You know, to, to go back to your question, uh, John, even though we we solve what we think of as a logistical problem in radiation therapy, right? Can I scale the treatment of multiple tumors in the body safely in the same treatment session? We also solve another important problem of being able to have much more targeted dose to a tumor site because we're compensating for the motion automatically, right? Even as the tumor is moving, it's pinging the machine and the machine is sending radiation back in real time. The radiation dose that's being delivered to the tumor is tracking with the tumor, my favorite analogy, our, our chief medical officer uses it, but but I, I'm never ashamed of kind of just stealing it, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, you can imagine tumor as a race car on a racetrack. And what most technologies do is they kind of treat or illuminate the entire racetrack. And what ours does is it, you can think of it as a spotlight that's moving with the car along the racetrack. And in that way, you can shrink the amount of margins that are used to compensate for that uncertainty and shrink wrap the dose around the tumor so that you're delivering less dose to nearby healthy tissue. And that allows you to do either, as you explained, John, to increase the dose to the tumor safely, or it allows you to just reduce the amount of dose going to other nearby organs and potentially reduce toxicity and side effects. And those potentially have applications, not just in metastatic disease, but also in early stage, you know, just treating one tumor as well. Uh, and one we're actually very excited about is in the field of prostate cancer. Some of you may have already heard about these new types of PET scans being used in, to diagnose and to monitor prostate cancer. It's called a PSMA scan. Remember how I mentioned that that radio tracer we use is a sugar molecule? Mm -hmm. um, there's a different type of molecule called PSMA. It attaches itself to prostate cancer cells with very high specificity. And so what that means is if a patient has prostate cancer, they're very likely going to get one of these PSMA PET scans because it just lights up the prostate cancer uh, in a way that no other, um, whether it's CAT scanner or MRI or other type of machine can do. With the Reflection X1 with BGRT, we could use any type of PET tracer. It doesn't have to be that sugar analog. It could be PSMA. And so one of the potential applications is to make more focal treatment of prostate cancer. Why treat the entire prostate, which is what they do today? They'll either surgically remove the entire prostate or they'll irradiate the entire prostate gland uh, when you have that localized disease. But what this can do is maybe let's just focus the radiation just on the part that's actually aggressive and lighting up and reduce the dose to the rest of the prostate and other nearby structures. 
So the machines that you have, you're basically going to turn a switch when you get FDA approval. It, and they will become a BGRT system, right? So you're just like a software upgrade. It's not a long learning curve installation. Once you make that announcement, you'll be able to start treating patients wherever a machine is. Am I correct in that read of what you're talking about? It will be a software upgrade to these machines once we get FDA approval. So, And we'll try to get that software upgrade out as soon as we can. But that's right, there's, there'll be no major hardware changes needed for these machines that are already installed to become BGRT ready. That's correct. They, they have the PET scanners already in them. So you've made a rocket ship in your career. Just for the entrepreneurs in the crowd, what was your last full-time paying job before you became CEO of a massive med tech company changing cancer? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm now the CTO. Uh, we thankfully have a much uh, more experienced CEO running the company. His name is Todd Powell, and, and he's the one who's, I'd give him credit for building our company from when it was just an R&D organization. But my last paying job, other than internships, was a small job I had in, during high school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, essentially a marketing <laughs> job, counting frozen juice boxes. <laughs> In, in grocery stores. So this is really my first job. And uh, I'm, I'm I feel really blessed that I, I was able to turn this into my career as something that I loved. I didn't also didn't think I would start a company. I was pursuing an academic path in medical imaging. Uh, you know, the entrepreneurial bug probably came from my dad, who's an entrepreneur himself. You know, when I had this idea, I just I just couldn't let it go. It felt too compelling. And folks that started to, you know, give me advice and, you know, Sandy and John, you guys were part of the very earliest people that that helped me and Akshay along the way we quickly realized that there's something here. And so we just had to see it through. And the hope is that it will make a big difference in cancer care. Well, we're really glad that you veered off the frozen juice path and onto this one because you are bringing so many people hope. And it's just so exciting that your curiosity led you to creating this amazing company. And we just wish you the best of luck and may the FDA approval happen soon. So Sam, thanks so much for being here today. Well, thank you, Joey and Sandy and, and John. Uh, it was great seeing uh, some of you again as well. And, yes. Um, and thank you for having us uh, on the show. And, and, and it's an important platform for us. We're really excited to um, have been able to talk about what we're doing. Great. Thank you, Sam. This is really fun. Thank you, Sam. Great job. Okay, so I have to say I was a little bit nervous about understanding all of the work that Sam is doing, but he put it in such simple terms and he's so calm. So listening to him, I really feel like I got a clear picture of what he's doing. And I know that there are so many people who are so excited to hear that there is potential and hope for late stage cancers. Craig, I know you were listening to this. What was your takeaway from Sam's story? It's interesting how many people back into med tech, you know, I mean, the lots of guys, you know, want to write the next great app or invent the next space something. But for the med tech people we've talked to, you know, their parents were doctors and they wanted to create something that was important in the medical field. But most of them just through happenstance or just happened to be in a meeting or meet someone or read something and they fell into it. Sam's in that category, and even though he took a, an enormously complex task, which you probably didn't realize was as complex as it ended up being, he just got excited by the idea. He also said something really interesting uh, when he was building the company, he recruited much smarter people. And I don't think he was kidding. Now, obviously, Sam's really smart, 
but he was confident in his own abilities and in his own focus to bring on really talented people rather than the kind of narcissistic management style that's so common in the U.S. these days of just having acolytes underneath you. That's how he's gotten to where he is today and all credit for him. More, more importantly than the business stuff and the personal stuff is what he's accomplishing. We've all known people who have been told, oh, I'm sorry, but your cancer has spread. In most of the time, that's a death sentence. And that's the worst thing anyone, any doctor can tell you. And the idea that we're so close to having a mechanical solution for that, probably in addition to uh, a systemic drug solution using both, is enormously exciting and enormously important. And all of us will cross that bridge or know intimately people who have crossed that bridge. So Sam isn't just doing some little thing. He's doing, he's slaying a huge dragon. The, the whole technology start, what really was attracted to me and for the patients that I know with lung cancer was they were denied access to radiation therapy because it was moving, right? Your lungs, you can't hold your breath long enough that it takes for this machine to treat you. If you had lung cancer, the motion sort of ruled you out for using this therapy. Now there's immunotherapy that sort of come along uh, the same way, but the patients and I know the fear sandwich, the anxiety sandwich, some of that is actually that they bolt you down to these tables so that you can reduce these errors that he talked about. You won't have these masks that bolt you to the table. You won't have them holding your shoulders down. And then I know in patients that uh, personally, that when they're done the treatment, they ask you if you want that mask. And so far, I don't know anybody who said yes. It's just a really traumatic reminder. So I think that's an interesting thing. You know, will they be able to just, you know, be like the waiting room? Like, here's a magazine, go in there, lay down instead of on your back, get comfortable, bring in some pillows, pick up a magazine and uh, go in the machine. We're just going to treat you. You don't need all those uh, restrictions. Theoretically, that's uh, what they've come up with, which is really provocative for the patient experience as well. You know, the other piece of this that Sam spoke to that I think should be emphasized in treating these tumors, millimeters matter. And as you're delivering that therapy, you know, that radiation therapy to a particular tumor, I mean, those t those tumors are in the body and next to really critical organs, really critical tissues. Just think about the example that Sam was speaking to at the end around prostate cancer. Millimeters can be the difference between, you know, number one, of course, it's really important to sort of survive, Right. But also it can be the difference between, you know, being impotent or not after that treatment. And that's a big deal. I think the other thing that just sort of blows me away about this whole story is this was an idea, started the company in 2009. It's 13 years later. And the, the FDA approval is sort of, it's, it's less on the horizon. It's more, it's closer, Right. And think about that journey. Think about all the things that they had to overcome. And so it's just that story of persistence. And, you know, to Craig's point about the importance of this and what it means for patients, I mean, you need to have that vision to carry you through, you know, <laughs> 13 years to get it to this point. 
when Sam has that uh, FDA approval and they're doing those software updates, I think uh, it's going to be really exciting for patients uh, around the country. I think the other thing that's very interesting is going to be how they create awareness amongst the doctors and the patients and and how that's going to roll out. So that's something we're going to be looking at very closely as well. I think that phrase that he talked about, Sandy, where he said, we start where the other technologies end. Yes. And for him to say that over half of the patients are outside of the devices, that's a really promising, like soul-filling opportunity. Yeah. You know, I just want to go down to the FDA and, you know, ask them to proofread something. Do you need me to like yeah. sweep up or like, <laughs> exactly. can you guys get some this approved? Oh, are you hiring? Yeah, I'll bring some donuts. <laughs> we'll stay late. Joe, you'll get some pizza. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely bring the pizza if it's going to help move this forward, but I'm actually not worried about it. I think that Sam Mason is on it. And that's our show for today. We just want to remind everyone that you can listen to our Lab Before Slab mini episodes where Sandy, John, and Craig geek out about other fascinating happenings in the med tech world. And as always, our hope is that some of the cutting edge technology that we talk about on this show, like BGRT, will be available to the patients who need it before we die. Thanks for listening. Before We Die is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producers are Joey Brenneman and Ariel Nachman. Before We Die is mixed by Kyle Moore. Our Before We Die panel of experts and creators of the show are Sandra Miller, John McMahon, and Craig Allman. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-283-4666. Share your healthcare stories with us and we might display them on the air in a future episode. For more information, visit offscript.com. That's offscriptnot.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 